never the same when Christ comes into our hearts, into our lives, and releases his plan and his will through us until his kingdom come. What a glorious worship this has been. Thank God for the children. Thank God for those who've led. They've brought us into the presence of the Lord. Sing hallelujah for all that our God has done. We sing, we worship, we praise, we pray. We want to pray for those who have been uh, casualties of the, the storms nearby in Middle Tennessee. Pray for their families, pray for their heart, pray for restoration. And we thank God that we are a praying church, mindful not only of our community, but other communities as well. I'm delighted that you are here this morning. It's been a great season, a very special season for us here at Station Hill. And this morning, we're going to continue to learn about the greatest story of all time, the story of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you bring your Bibles with you? Amen. Do you bring your Bibles? Can I see your Bibles? All right, whether it be by phone or hand. Would you turn to Luke chapter 1 with me, please? Luke chapter 1, it's been our post and our chapter for this month and, and uh, so far, and we are in a series learning about the personalities, the people that God has used to become part of this great release and revelation that have come to us to tell us that redemption is on the way, redemption has come, and redemption is available for us and for those around us, for our children, families, and for the nations of the earth. Here in Luke chapter 1, we're going to hear this morning and read and, and enter into a story with a young personality, Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've already last Sunday looked into the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. The Bible describes them as childless. But then through a miracle of God, God granted this couple who was advanced in age, a child. But there was a very special child who became the forerunner of the coming of the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we've learned about the mighty work of God. God does the impossible in the lives of those that are willing and yielded and surrendered to Him. And that's what He did in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Today, we're going to learn about how God intersected Mary's life. Now, I'll remind you of one thing before we begin this morning. Mary was about 14 years of age, 13, 14, 15 years of age. Keep that in your mind, please. And then something else I want to remind you of this morning. I want you to allow your heart and mind and imagination to take you all the way back to that encounter between Mary and Gabriel, the angel. Now, remember, Gabriel was the messenger angel. Angels are given to us to either deliver a message or to minister to us. And Gabriel was one who was specialized in everything messianic. In other words, all the messages concerning the Messiah came through this angel. The Old Testament encountered him in Daniel chapter 8 and 9. And now he's in the New Testament. He had already delivered a message six months before the time he came to Mary, to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And now he's about to bring a message that have changed the world through the life of Mary and to Mary. So what we'll learn today, especially how God became man, how divinity came to become humanity. Mary is a very special individual. Her name, as a matter of fact, has so many derivatives, derivatives to it. It could be Mary, Marianne, um, many other derivatives. It's, it's the most popular name for ladies in the entire world, even people of other religions. 
call their daughters Mary. And it's still true today what the Word of God said about her. Blessed are you among women. Blessed are you among women. That scripture still stand even today. Now, I want to remind you that every person in the Word of God, every person has a story with God. You have a story with God. You have a story with God. I have a story with God. And when we read about the stories of these human beings that are just ordinary people, just like you and like me, when we're trying to learn from them is not so much about them as much as what we're learning from them. So what can we learn from Mary and how God touched her life? Read with me, please, in Luke chapter 1. Would you stand in honor of the word of the living God as we begin in verse 26 and go forward to see about this encounter with the Lord. In the six months, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town, uh, to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. That's an awesome statement. We'll see what that means in a minute. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Oh God, we give praise to your holy name for coming into the earth to redeem us, to sanctify us, to cleanse us, to prepare us as the bride for your coming. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. What a great personality, Mary. Now, she's a controversial personality. She didn't want to be controversial, but the world made her to become controversial. Some religious movements have taken Mary and they've exonerated Mary as if she's beyond sin. They've, they've elevated her role, her position as to call her redemptrix or co-redeemer or co-mediator as if she has a role to help the Lord Jesus Christ to redeem the earth or to mediate between man and God. But Mary was an ordinary individual. She was not a redeemer and she's not the mediator. There's only one redeemer in this world. His name is is Jesus Christ. Amen. And there's only one mediator between man and God, Jesus the Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our God. Having said that, Mary's still a very special individual. She's still a very special 
personality. And we're not needing to really avoid that or ignore that because some other religious circles, what they do, they ignore that all the way. But I want you to understand something. Mary was not some random selection. We're going to look at the scripture in just a moment. We're going to see that God was very intentional in choosing Mary to bear, to carry, to bring about the Son of God into this earth. She was a very special selection. She was a spiritual young lady. She was a a woman of faith. We're talking about a 14-year-old or 15-year-old young lady. She was a a very woman that was very in tune to the presence of God, in tune to the scriptures, to the Torah, what has been already given to us by way of revelation. She was in tune to the fact that the Messiah will come. And every young lady in Israel would have probably dreamed to have Mary's message. You know, it's been said that many uh, an Israelite na- uh, families would have dreamed that some kind of a warrior, some kind of a general, some kind of a king will come out of their line, out of their seed, to touch their nation, to perhaps rule the nation, to become a king in that nation. And Mary said yes to the angel. And once she said yes, she said it because she's been waiting on God to bring redemption to Israel. And then she spent all of her life trying to discover what her yes literally means, what it meant to her, what it meant to the nation of Israel, what it meant to the whole world. So Mary was a very special individual. I love the fact that God told her, consider consider your cousin Elizabeth. Now, as we have said before, it was not like, hey, I'm going to text Elizabeth and say, hey, I'm coming to visit with you. Mary recognized there was something special happening in Zechariah and Elizabeth house. So she went to visit because six months earlier, the angel showed up and told Elizabeth and Zechariah, you're going to bear a son. He will be the forerunner for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It makes sense, doesn't it? It makes absolute sense that Mary would go to where God has already has done a mighty things. I hear people all the time saying, well, I don't, I don't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. I mean, it's impossible for humanity and for man to, to be, for, 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 for Christ to be virgin born. I, I agree with that. It's impossible for man to have deliverance or to have something within them that is natural. But you see, what's impossible with man is very possible with God. And I believe in the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe if you can get past Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, then all things are possible with God. Amen? All things are possible with Almighty God. I believe in the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it makes sense, doesn't it? That Mary would go to Elizabeth. I mean, who else is going to believe a, a young teenager who's saying the Holy Spirit has visited me, uh, except an individual who's been called childless and advanced in years, who would come back and say, and he visited me as well. Who else is going to believe a teenager that was going to say, I'm going to bear the Messiah of the world, the Savior of the world in my, in my womb, other than a woman who said, and I am going to bear the forerunner for the coming Messiah of the earth. So it made sense for Mary to go see Elizabeth. What a wonderful young lady. What a gifted young lady. What a chosen, selected young lady. I'm going to give you three things that I want you to know about her character and personality. I want you to see Mary's humility. 
Mary's humility. Mary had a special heart before God. I want you to see it. Look with me in chapter 1 and verse 38. The Bible says of Mary, when the angel showed up to her and delivered the supernatural news. Now, here's how Mary responded. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Look up here for just a second. I just want to tell you, there'll be a time in each one of our lives when God may deliver some supernatural news or may challenge every one of us to something that is way beyond us. And then we are challenged to make a decision. Will we say yes? Will we respond we will we say, let it be unto me as your will would have released through me into the earth? Or would we walk away from what God is asking us to do? Mary said, I am the servant of the Lord. Matter of fact, that word servant comes out of the Greek language. It's the feminine term of doule. It actually comes from the term doulos, servant of God. Here's what Mary was saying. Mary was saying, I am the slave made servant of Almighty God. She said, I'm not only his servant, I am your slave. When she said, let it be unto me, here's what she was saying. I am yours. It's a statement of surrender. It's a statement of submission. It's a statement of faith. She was saying, I'm yours, I'm all yours, no matter what happened. Now, there's a difference in those days between a servant and a slave. A servant would have been somebody you would contract with, you would pay. Somebody comes and goes. They're not owned by a master. But a slave is somebody who has been given to ownership. The master owns that individual. So Mary basically was saying, I am not only your servant, I am your slave. I belong to you from this moment on, whatever happens in my life, let it be for the glory of God. My soul will magnify the Lord simply because I've been chosen. Let me show it to you. Look with me in verse 48. Listen to what she said in verse 48. She begins to write her song. Isn't that awesome? When, 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 you're, when you're challenged, what comes out of you? Let's watch what comes out of her. Look at her humility. The Bible said in verse 48. She said, because you have looked with favor, watch the word, on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. Mary said, I know who I am. I'm just a humble young lady from a little unknown town by the name of Nazareth. Nobody would have ever heard about it had it not been for the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, she was from a town that was subjugated by the Roman government. It means it was ruled by the Roman government. And the Roman governments would have had absolutely no interest in recording the history of the people that they have conquered. She not only was in that type of a setting politically and culturally, she was from a patriarchal society. This literally means it's a society that was dominated by male. And she would have had no, no one to recognize what God has done in her and what he's doing through her and what he'll do through her. So here she was, she recognized, I am, I am a poor young lady from an unknown town chosen to do the glorious thing that will bring glory to the name of our God. So be it, God. So be it to your humble servant. What a, what a wonderful young, I'm talking about a 14-year-old, 15-year-old young lady. You know, people talk about our Lord leading a glorious movement all through the earth. He did. 
but he, he led a youthful movement. You see, when we think about the disciples, we think of their old age and what they have gone through and how they've ended things. But I want you to know when Jesus came, he was pointing to a lot of young people to follow him, that they may obey him and he'll do great things and mighty things through their lives. Our Lord led a youthful movement, a youth movement, and Mary was one of those whom God has chosen. As a matter of fact, look again at her response in verse 52. The Bible says in verse 52, he has toppled the mighty. He has toppled the mighty from the thrones and exalted the humble, the lowly. I love that. Here's what Mary was saying. She was saying, God came to this earth. He didn't go to Rome, the political center of the world, to choose somebody. He didn't go to Athens, the cultural center of the world, to choose somebody. He didn't go to Jerusalem, the spiritual center of the world, to choose somebody. He came to Nazareth, to a humble place, to a humble human being just like me. He's toppled the mighty and he's chosen the lowly. We see her awesome humility. Secondly, I want you to see her spirituality. What a, what a wonderful work of God in the heart of a young lady. I want you to look at it. I want to show you three things about her spirituality. I want you to see that she's worshipful. <laughs> I want you to see that she's scriptural. And then I want you to see that she's personal. Personal. You're going to see that in her song. Now, when, when the Spirit delivered the news, she didn't run away. She ran into the will of God. And what came out of her life is a song of praise. Let's look at it. First of all, she was, I'm talking about her spirituality, she was worshipful. I want you to see it right up here. Look with me at verse 46. The Bible says, and Mary said, watch this, here's her praise. My soul praises the greatness of of the Lord. My soul praises the greatness of the Lord. She began to praise Almighty God, to magnify Almighty God. What came out of her when the news was delivered that this may be costly to her? God, you're doing the impossible things we've been waiting on, and my soul immediately begins to praise you. This is a young lady that is very connected to the presence of God, to the person of God, to the oncoming plan of God, to the purpose of God, and to the power of God. She is a worshipful believer in God. Secondly, she was a scriptural individual. What does that mean? It literally means that she, was, she would always lean into what God has released by way of revelation into her nation and also into the earth. Now, when people read her song and, and when theologians will go and analyze the song that Mary has given us, they often make reference to the song of Hannah. When Hannah received a miracle to bear Samuel as a child within her because her, her womb was barren, and Hannah wrote a song, and everybody kind of quotes Hannah when they talk about Mary's song. But the reality of it is, in her song, she was very scriptural. She not only made reference to what was mentioned in 1 Samuel, she made reference to the Psalms. She made reference to the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. She was a very scriptural individual. Let me show it to you. For example, let's look together about some samples of that. Verse 46, my soul praises the greatness 
of the Lord. My soul magnify the Lord. That's an echo of Psalm 34 and verse 2 where the Bible said, My soul shall make its boast in the Lord and magnify the Lord. Let's look in verse 47. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In God my Savior. That's a reference to Isaiah 45 and verse 21. There is no God besides me, a just God, a Savior. There is none beside me. Let's look at verse 48, the first part of it, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. And that's a reference to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 11 in Hannah's song. Let's look at the second part of verse 48. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. All generations will call me blessed. That's a reference to the first five books of the Bible in Genesis chapter 30 when Leah, the wife of Jacob said, now all generation will call me blessed. Look at verse 49. Because the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. And that's a reference to Psalm 126 and verse 3. The Lord has done great things for us. And then verse 49 also is a reference to Psalm 119. What are we seeing in here? What are we touching? What are we feeling? Is a woman whose worship is given to Almighty God. We're looking at a young lady who paid attention when she went to worship Almighty God in the synagogue. We're looking at a young lady who spent her life in the Word of God, with the Word of God, living for the glory of God. She's worshipful. She is scriptural. But I love that third one. She's personal. She's not arrogant. She's connected now to God's plan. She's recognized what's happening in her womb and what will happen for her, for the nation of Israel, and for the world. Look with me, please, in verse 50, right up here. His mercy from generation to generation on those who fear him. Now go back with me to verse 47 and see what she said. My spirit rejoices, say it with me, in God, say it with me, in God my Savior. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Here's what Mary recognized. I need a Savior. I'm not co-redeemer for the earth. I can't redeem anyone. I am a sinful individual like everyone else, and I need redemption, cleansing, forgiveness, restoration. I need new identity in Christ my sa- Can you imagine a young lady knowing what she's carrying within her by the Holy Spirit is the Savior that will save her life? You remember that song, Mary, Did You Know? Mary, Did You Know? And you remember that line that says, and the sleeping child that you're holding will one day deliver you. See, Mary followed the Lord Jesus Christ because she knew he's her, he's her Savior and her Redeemer. When he was born, he would toddle right after her, but for the rest of her life after he was born, she would follow her Savior and her Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, she needed to understand that, but she had no doubt about who he is, his identity, and what he has come to do. My spirit rejoice in the Lord my Savior. Who needs a Savior? Every lost person needs a Savior. Who needs a Savior? Every sinful person needs a Savior. And the very mercy that was offered to Mary is offered to you and to me. See, we see Mary's humility. We see Mary's spirituality. She was worshipful. 
She was scriptural. She was personal. But I want to close with this. Now we see Mary's submission. We see Mary's submission. Listen to what she said in verse 50 again. His mercy from generation to generation is on those who fear him. Verse 46 said, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord. I'm going backward. Verse 38, my, my, I am the Lord's servant. And here's what she said. May it be done unto me. Submission. I want to close by saying this. Mary recognized she's carrying the impossible presence of Almighty God and only God can do it. Mary recognized something special will happen when the baby is born. Sometimes we talk about the cradle of Christmas. I want to tell you, Mary recognized when she heard Simeon prophesy that a sword one day will pierce through your heart. When she got to the cross, she recognized is a reference to the pain and the suffering that she will one day carry watching her son being crucified on the cross at Calvary. Sometimes people think, well, when you talk about the cross, it's Christmas. Come on, pastor. We don't need to talk about pain and suffering. Friend, listen carefully. There'll be no need for the cradle if there was no cross. There'll be no need for the cross if there's no empty tomb. There'll be no need for the empty tomb if there was no ascension by a supernatural God. There'll be no need for the ascension if there was no church that is going to be led by the Holy Spirit of God to lead the earth to their eternal life through the gospel witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. There'll be no need for the church to exist if Jesus is not coming back to be crowned as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. There'll be no need for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ if the Father is not to coronate him and crown him one day King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The baby in Bethlehem's manger is God's Savior. He's Mary's Savior. He's my Savior. This morning, he could be your Savior, your Lord, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This Christmas can be special because the same mercy that saved Mary can save you, change you. The Bible said we're all of sin, come short of the glory of God, but you and I, don't have to live within our sin. Christ can redeem us, change us, sanctify us, cleanse us, and, listen, and bring us into eternal life through him. If you believe in Christ, the Lord said he will save you and change your life forever. Amen? Would you bow your head with me? Every head bow and every eye close. I want you to ponder for just a minute. Quiet your spirit before the Lord. And I want you for just one second. Just think. The Bible says that Mary pondered things in her heart. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. Your spirit is resting in the Lord. If you are his child right now, you're finding that wonderful peace. If you're here, if you don't know him as Lord of your life right now, you're saying, is that mercy available for me? Yes, it is. So, Father, I pray that you draw us to you right now as we ponder the decisions that we need to make to give our life to you or to rejoice and share the life that you've given us in Jesus' name.